Yes, hello. I am James Rodens, and today it's the WR 371. It's AEW, Road Rager, and Fighter Fest, but I am not alone. I have the pleasure to be joined by the ultimate one. How you doing, man? Hey, buddy. What's going on? The last time we were hanging out was uh, the review with the Slammiversary. And like I said, it feels just, you know, mere minutes ago. But obviously, it's been a while since we've done so you're, that. You're ba- you abandoned me for too much. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. Look, this is the thing. It's great that you're back on back-to-back shows. And the people that say the old one or Chokesome Report is not on the WNR enough, then hopefully this will please them. Of course, we're looking at uh, oh, AEW. Wow. I, 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 am, I am. Wow. I am, you know, happy that people are saying that. Oh, well, wow. I, didn't, I didn't know I had that fan base in your in your podcast. Well, I tell you what, you know the English. Uh, I say the English and the the top of our fan base are uh, always uh, a fan of yours as well. And yeah, I think it's my maybe English monotonous voice that just carries on, and <coughs> they like they like to hear someone, um, you know, sound a little bit different. Who obviously knows what they're talking about as well. Uh, yeah. And of course, what you know, what you talk about is AEW. Because before we get to Road Rager and Fighter Fest. It has been a couple of months uh, since a uh, since you have been doing AEW for us. So, what have your thoughts on AEW in the past couple of months? Because, of course, we had a pay per view that we couldn't review as well, couldn't we? Yeah, I mean, after Double or Nothing, I mean, things started to pick up a little by little. I mean, um, that was the last one we did together about AEW. AEW, they they already were planning like the fans were going to come back. Um, you know that once the fans, the, I mean, the fans came back because of double nothing. They had fans, but now they were not going to be in Daly's place. So you're going to have more fans involved, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be different. You know, it was going to be like same way with back in March 2020 before the this whole pandemic hit all the, around the globe, and they had to shut down a lot of these wrestling companies and all that. So, I mean. You know, once once the pay per view is done, as far as AEW, they start then developing another one. You know, start developing little storylines here, there. You know, um, and 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 you know, they had the uh, Omega versus um, Jungle Boy, which was a great match. That's that's pushed Jungle Boy to another level. Um, and then you had the QT Marshall still feuding with Cody Rhodes. Uh, the Andrade's return, Andrade not return, but Andrade's debut. Which shocked everybody. I mean, but you know, as of right now, as Road Rage started off with the fans again, I mean, you could see the difference. You could see the difference between the way of uh, pandemic type um, times where you know you had a little bit of people and then they started bringing it up, all the people, the fans, little by little, to the way it is now. So, I mean, it's a fun time, and I'm gonna keep saying this, but I said this on the anniversary review with you. It's a fun time to be a professional wrestling fan because there are so many um, matchups that can happen in AEW and a lot of stuff, you know, and then the storylines are great. I mean, because they leave a lot of cliffhangers every week. And that's one of the things uh, I like when you leave a cliffhanger and it makes you want to come and say, oh, I can't wait till next week. And AEW does that. Without a doubt, and I've, like I've said with AEW now going back on the road, of course, this is the first stop. On the tour of AEW Road Rage, and then the crowd will be pumped. And of course, this is coming out of James L. Knight Center in Miami. The show opens with the intro video, and of course, you talked about Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall and the strap match. That feud is still continuing. Um, we see Marshall busted open. 
with Cody tagging turnbuckles and the lights go down, then they come back up, which is a little bit weird. But um, the heel regaining control of the match, leading to a fiery comeback from the American Nightmare. He shrugged off a disrespectful gesture from Marshall, delivered crossbows three consecutive times and touched all four pads to win. Uh, the fans love uh, of Cody made this match for me, but is he no different to like kind of the AEW version of John Cena? Or is that just me being extremely harsh? Uh, wow. You say that, wow, no, no, I can't, I can't, no. Cody Rhodes, I mean, when it comes to him, he's going to make a match, he's going to make a guy like a QT Marshall, who's probably low-card type of wrestler, make him look good, you know, and I think what he was doing during this whole time with the factory was pushing QT Marshall to a level where now he has become this arrogant a-hole, you know, and, and... you know, he's mad at the boss now because he's doing all the work. And he made him look good. This match was pretty decent. I can't say it was bad or anything because, you know, that you took out, and the, the, the good part was you took out Aaron Solo and um, and Nick Camarado out of the picture when Dustin Rowe came in, whatever. So now it's a one-on-one strap match. But, I mean, uh, compared to John Cena, that's, 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 that's bad. No, well, no, then in a kind of way Ooh, of like, because no, no, like, if you know the Nexus storyline from like 2010 with these new guys coming through and it's like, old Cena just going through them and stuff like this. And this is the most, probably most overface. And it's just about overcoming the odds and this kind of stuff. And it's just like, I, I just think with Cody and obviously the lights going out was a prelude to what was to come, but he deserves more. And uh, but, but if you want to compare to the Nexus storyline with John Cena and this, um, if, if, if you think about it, the John Cena and Nexus storyline, uh, John Cena just destroyed all of them. They didn't even get to beat I think they beat him up once, and they just got through everybody. Well, as far as Cody Rhodes in the factory, he's, I mean, he had, I think, Anthony Gogo did, he, I think he, no, was it QT Marshall or Anthony Gogo, one of them, ended up pinning him. I mean, you're not going to see a John Cena let somebody pin him like that, oh, you know. Uh, um, but, you know, um, but I think when, when that storyline, I think he was just giving these guys who, you know, they're trying to come up and, and give them, like, something for people to watch, you know what I'm saying? You know, now this QT Marshall feud is over with, probably. But at least it puts them in the spotlight. That's what I'm trying to say. This is the thing that I enjoy having you on the show, you know, because we don't always agree. And I think this is, you know what I mean? You need that. That one hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that one hurts compared to John Cena. Yeah. Uh, well, we see Sean Spears cutting a promo, or Ty Dillinger cutting a promo backstage. Uh, everybody's asking about why Sammy Zigo is his great witness. Weakness. A chair wings him in the face <laughs> of Sammy Guevara rolls up and tells him it's far from over. And then Tony Schiavone's in the ring with interview Kenny Omega from a break. Don Callis tells Tony to scram and gives us a history lesson about what he and Kenny Omega have achieved over the last few months. Uh, he's beaten everyone. There's no one left for him to beat. Enter Eva Uno and the Dark Order. Uno says he's incredibly hot in Miami. He's been listening to Kenny's weird uncle talk, and now he has some questions. Omega him saying Evil's a smarter man. Then what is the capital of Thailand? Uno goes to answer. Kenny kicks him in the balls because it's Bangkok, <laughs> no, obviously. A ball breaks out, the good brothers get involved, Hank Madden and Paige makes a save with some cowboy shit. Bat body drops as Carl Anson out the ring and the cactus clothesline takes Doc Gallows out. 
on the apron line up staring Omega down but Kenny runs away for Cage can visit justice upon him I thought this was a really enjoyable segment once the Dark Order showed up yeah I mean the, the whole segment was great but now you know you just compared uh, Cody Rhodes with John Cena right so I'm going to compare this with Paul Heyman and Don Callis Don Callis when he gets on that mic uh, you know he's you know, even though Kenny Omega is good in promos, but Don Callis makes it like he makes Kenny Omega a more heelish character, even worse. Like he's uh, Kenny Omega is this real a hole. Don Callis is a sidekick, and he's gonna make you know he's gonna sound more a hole because he's trying to say he's the best in the world. And, and I think this is what makes this the this whole storyline even better because Don Callis is just that this evil. You know, a hole guy. You know, who's representing Kenny Omega and the Elite. Now, the the only thing that I found makes, and this is something that I've been thinking about. You know, the fact that Dark Order is part of this storyline with Adam Page. My question is still, I'm still asking this question: Is Adam Page going to join Dark Order or not? Or Dark Order is going to turn on him? You know what I'm saying? So it's like because, you know. He's been hanging around them for a while, and you know, and, and nothing gets right. He hangs out with them, but but he's still saying he's not part of it. So, you know, that's what makes it interesting because you know it's dark order, and then you have Evil Uno coming out speaking for the group. You know, and Evil Uno is great in the mic, so that's what made it great. You know, and then Omega makes it much funnier when you say with the capital Thailand, and you know, and then the rest <laughs> of the But that was great. Yeah, but- it was great. It was a great face-off as well. Paige must be the most over-face in wrestling. I mean, we can argue that until the cows come, I suppose. But but, just to but, meet the... yeah, but, but, but also, I think me and you spoke about this in Double or Nothing, but you see how great AEW does? They do long-term storylines, right? Yeah. We're going back to the time where I think the first all-out, all when Paige didn't win the belt from Jericho, and now it comes like two years later they doing that same style uh, new japan style of long-term storylines and that's what new japan does new japan's uh, plans a two-year storyline and then they go with it unless something happens they got to change it otherwise but this storyline is great right uh well up next we see jim ross moderating a sit-down interview with all ego even page and darby allen uh jr said they both talk about ending each other's career and he thinks that's sad um page said allen deserves it and Darby said the fact that he got one year of wrestling to where Ethan got in 12 drives him mad. Uh, all ego was complacent. The big fish in the little pond even said that's all true. And Darby skipped the line. Went for him. He's probably still on the same shows living in the car. He checks his cash. That's what you get when you share the ring with someone as much experience as he has without him. There'll be nothing. And next week he's going to take him out of the business. Uh, not bad, but obviously Darby's going to be the winner here. But why have back-to-back talkie segments? And I've noticed this with AEW a little bit, that they have like a match and then maybe two talk segments and then another match rather than kind of breaking up is that much of an issue is it just them trying something a little bit different i think they're trying to tell a story behind it because remember um ethan pays during uh even some promos he did he mentioned about his uh feud with darby allen as outside of aew in the indies and he's trying to give a story where you know darby allen became this this you know this has a co-following and this is meanwhile, he's been busting his ass for 12 years, but now he had kids, so he had to stop. So he feels that Darby Allen is taking his, his, his um, you know, his glory. 
I like it because it tells a story because you just don't want to attack somebody. I mean, they've Darby's been attacked a couple of times. But he did mention during some of the promos when they were feeding between with Sting also how he busted Darby Allen's head and that's why he wears the paint because there's a dent in his forehead. So it gives the story where is this view? Why is this view so violent? Why are these guys are going at it that bad? So, I mean, it, it's pretty, I, I liked it. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, it's just, I think they're, they're trying to tell a story. Yeah, no, take a real. I liked it, but I don't understand the point of having it just after you've had the Page and Omega thing with the Dada. Oh, like, have okay, a match. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, have a match and then have that. Like, you know, like you said, with this, uh, they're not doing too bad. But you've probably explained more to me about why Paige and um, Alan don't like each other than they actually have on Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the thing is, I think what the way, the way they did the Road Rager show was pretty much, they said, even though they've been doing already since the uh, thing, since Double or Nothing is over, they're trying to build storylines. But now that the fans are, 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 are in the arenas and they're watching this on TV also, they're explaining, you know, because sometimes... AEW does a lot of promos. That's one thing I noticed. But the promos are good. So, you know, if, if you understand where what everything is going on, I mean, and, and that, yeah, they did the Darby Allen and Pace, you know, interview with Jim Ross, but at least it tells you a story. So it keeps you the same. That's the way I look at it. Well, next match is in a circle. Jake Hager, Ortiz, and Santana versus the Pinnacle, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harvard, and Wardlow. Bayface found themselves in a defensive force to fight from underneath as the Hills dominated the action. The isolated Ortiz and Santana leaving Hager to live the comeback. He initially did, but fell prey to the big rig by FTR. So Hills and the hard fought victory. And after the match, the Hills had a cheap chop block to the back of Conan needs. Um, I don't know what you thought about this, but I, I, I really don't like Conan. But Hager has been really motivated recently. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, I was about to talk about Hager right now. I think Hager, they're making him look weak. I'm sorry. Um... Hager should I think his match should have ended in disqualification to be honest. Because um, you had, and I understand that you had Tully Blanchard interfering in the match, and FDR took advantage and hit the big rig. But Hager's their muscle man. You know what I'm saying? Just same with Warlow. You know? Um, and the, the Conan part, uh, I didn't understand what the hell Conan was doing after the, after the match when he tried to hit uh, Warlow with a sock. I'm like, okay, so he gets chop blocked. They, they had made Conan look bad. I don't, I don't know why, but they're making him look bad. Um, he got beat up a couple of weeks ago by, by FDR, and then this, he got chop blocked. And when uh, I think this this six man tag, they should have just ended it as disqualification again. It's about protecting both groups. But then again, I guess they, they're trying to have one, this group wins one time, the other group wins yeah. this time. But the Hager, I think Hager was, when he came, first came in, Hager was this monster, unbeatable guy, whatever. And ever since, I don't know, ever since he started this feud with, uh, with actually, actually, when he lost to Warlow the first time, ever since that, he has not um, been pushed hard like he was doing, they were pushing him in the beginning. Yeah, I would agree. I just noticed that Hager's got kind of spring in his step. That may be because he's actually got a storyline in AEW that he's actually happy about, you know. But uh, yeah. we get <laughs> we get video package hyping John Moxley's defense of the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship against Carl Anson next week. MGF makes his entrance, send us to a break when we come back. Chris Jericho entered the arena with a course of Fozzie's Judas for confronting MGF as the feud continued. Despite two major gimmick bouts, uh, the fan tried to run in and security stopped him after Jericho hit him. 
What a fucking idiot. Now, anybody oh listen God. to this. I mean, you're yeah. going to say what I'm going to say. I think. Anybody listen to this who tries to a wrestling event in any shape or form, we do not want you as a wrestling fan. I do not want you listening to this fucking podcast. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah. Um, I got I, I got my say so about that. If I don't know if this wrestling fan, because right after that he went and posted something on Twitter uh, saying, "Look, Jim Cornette, I did it for you." Blah 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 blah. Which I'm not gonna give this guy no 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 clout on the podcast or mine. But it's like I said, these wrestling fans today are a bunch of fucking idiots when they try to in, get into the ring and think that they're not going to get either beat up by the wrestler. Once you cross that, that, that rail and go into that ring, you're, you're, that's it. You're done because the wrestler's going to defend himself. And if they haven't watched uh, what has happened in the past, I would uh, give them uh, uh, a suggestion. Watch the 10 best fan trying to get in, in the ring and get beat up by wrestlers. Because if you haven't seen when um, Triple H and Stone Cold were in a wrestling match, I think it was in the UK, I'm not sure. The wrestling fan tried to attack um, Austin while he was down. Triple H beat him up. Earl Herbner went and kicked the, the fan in his face, I think, a full time, <laughs> protecting him. The, when, when Hogan turned bad, some wrestling fan tried to get in the ring and he got stomped by Scott Hall. You know, wrestling fans gotta understand if you're going to the, to the arena to watch wrestling, stay in your fucking seat. Because if you try to go over that railing and you go inside the ring, you're bait. You're gonna get your ass whooped, okay? And you can't sue the wrestler because you went into their realm. So, and, and, and it's true, like, like you said. If you're an idiot, one of those idiots who think that you could go into the ring and try to do something to a wrestler, don't bother listening to my podcast on my my man's podcast right now because you're a freaking no. dumbass. Right, I, I meant to that, but we get back to the segment lastly. Champion vowed to accept any challenge MJF had to self-proclaim salt of the earth. Went back to Jericho's own playbook. He revealed he would only defeat, we'd have to defeat four opponents of MJF choosing. And only if he could beat him consecutively to get a match against his foe. Jericho accepted, and MJF said, shake my hand, unless you can't have it. He shook his hand and knocked him out cold with the Judas effect. Uh, what a muck about to get another match, really. Uh, can this feud end and Pinnacle in the Circle feud continue, or is this what the feud's all about? I think, uh, you know, this storyline makes it interesting, because now it's like Ju- uh, the MJF, when it pulled a fast one on him, the same thing that he did, uh, uh, Jericho did to Moxley, but it's it's creative, you know what I'm saying? Because now I don't know how many opponents he's got to go through, but if this goes all the way past um, all out, um, most likely um, either Jericho is done with 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 AEW going on tour. I mean, he already started his tour, but. I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. I think this feud is going to end in November, uh, man, full year. And I think once, once I think MJF, I think MJF is going to end up beating him. I think he's going to get past the, the, the what is it, the uh, something Jericho. The, you know, and, and I think he's going to get to MJF, but at the end, MJF is going to win, and Jericho is, will probably be done with AEW. But it's, it's an interesting story. I mean, as far as that, as far as the rest of the group, um, I think that all that stuff is going to end in, uh, at full year in November. That's, that's the way I'm, I'm predicting. Well, back from Earth, we see America top team hanging out in the front row. Recap of the women's tag team 
from last week follows. We get footage of Tony Schiavone interviewing Dr. Rick Baker, DMT earlier today. Baker played about being in match in the first place. And Tony Carl should feel terrible about it. She almost got killed getting powered on through a table. But hey, Tony got Andrade Eldelo, so worth it, right? Maybe next week they can run in Saudi Arabia, she says. Uh, she tells Nyla Rose that she's not winning the title back. She's going to be sent back to obscurity. They call Dallas a big D. When she wins, it will be called the big D-M-D. I mean, Baker is just so confident and calm. She is the new lead face of the AEW's women's division as well, isn't she? It's funny that a year ago, almost a year and a half ago, I was talking about this woman can't wrestle. This woman has changed everything around the last year and a half. And and I love how she took shot at WWE. And she said, maybe you'll get the blood money and we'll go to Saudi Arabia. You know, this woman... She does her own promo, supposedly. I mean, and she is, I mean, she's just done a 360. I mean, ever since she turned heel and she's doing her thing, I mean, it's, it's, she got a, 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 a nice little fan base. Even though she's a heel, she gets loud pops when she comes out. So I hope that she gets, she continues to have a long reign. And I want to see her with Yana Parazzo, one-on-one. I think that would be awesome. Up next, we get Andrade Elidolo making his debut versus Matt Seidel. Uh, he dominated early, sending his opponent to the floor, heading to the break and controlling the pace throughout. Back for the timeout, Seidel mounted the comeback and included Meteora, but Andrade delivered a modified hamlock DDT for the win. After match, he had an insult to Indy trapping Seidel in an armbar for leaving alongside Vicky Guerrero. Um, I thought weird entrance gear from Andrade, and the only reason I say that is when you have to take you entrance gear off on the ramp, then there's not really much point because you're only wearing it for that 15 seconds then. Um, And maybe not as a big a reaction as we were expecting for him, or am I being unfair a little bit? Uh, I think think it's because he's with Vicky, I'm telling you. And and I I think when she came out with him, I'm like, why does he have Vicky? Like, I'd rather have Selena De La Renta, who used to be in MLW, come out with him because she's a badass bitch. You know what I'm saying? Um, and she would be a perfect, perfect manager for him. For Vicky and the other guy who's an unknown guy who's picking up, it kind of it kind of looks weak. But I know what the mask represents. The black mask represents uh, is, is called, what he was called La Sombra, which means the shadow in Spanish, in Mexico before he went to WWE. That's why you, when you see him, he has, that, he has that chain with the mask on because he's still carrying that plus. Somebody mentioned online that it reminded them of the uh, L.I.J., um, the Ngobanovas from Japan. But I'm like, um, he used to be part of the Ngobanovas in Mexico, which that's the original faction. That's where the L.I.J. got that from, because Naito went to Mexico, and then he created his own group in, in Japan. So, I mean, his entrance was kind of like, oh, yeah, you're right. A lot of people didn't, like, he didn't get the reaction that I expected him to have. But the wrestling match, he did something that even you may agree with me, and I know you watched NXT when he was there. He did a moonsault, okay, landed on his feet, and then did a standing moonsault on top of Matt Seidel. When did you ever see him do that in WWE or NXT? Yeah, that, that is true. That is The figure for me, it's, it's never been the kind, especially with NXT, it's never been the kind of fancy moves. It was just the viciousness, the chops, the knees, the shots, and that kind of thing. And now he's adding that other dimension to it. Obviously, that's his heritage. And like I said, he's a mega talent. I mean, the match was maybe slow paced, but I like the Eddie references, of course, with, with Vicky there as well. And, and they're basically saying, oh, Andrade's going to be the next 
kind of big Hispanic star, aren't they? You know. Yeah, yeah. Because and, and again, this is why I saw a lot of of people that follow me, and and uh, I put it on Twitter. These wrestlers wrestle the way they want to. When you go to WWE, they make you wrestle their way. And when I saw that, I was like, I never saw that in WWE. Why is he wrestling like this? That goes to show you that they take a lot of the the repertoire away from the arsenal. So when you see them wrestle somewhere uh, like in a WWE, you be like, wait a minute, he wasn't wrestling like this in Mexico or AEW. So you know, but it was nice to see him. I mean. Um, him wrestling Matt Seidel was, I guess, a good debut for him. I mean, um, you got to start him somewhere, but it wasn't that bad. Well, we get a video package where Christian Cage and Matt Hardy talk about their issues in WWE. I kid you not. And then Arn Anderson starts cutting a promo while Tony Schiavone interviews him. And the lights go down. They come back up and Tommy End <laughs> is in the ring. A black mass lays Arn Anderson out. Cody rushes to his mental defense and gets laid out with mass as well and as the commentary inform us and they're going is it tommy end and you can hear excalibur go no that is not tommy end that is malachi black which is a little bit dumb uh but i mean cody versus black is what we need holy shit great debut what were your thoughts on the name oh my god <laughs> and, and it's funny because earlier during the night the lights went out right yeah. so i'm like wanting and then i love how the announce team went in they they covered that right up. It's all they, there was thunderstorms around the Miami area. I loved it. I'm like, oh, we're gonna have a blackout now in the middle of the event. And then when this happened again the second time, I was like, wait a minute, somebody's showing up. I did not expect Tommy M to show up in AEW. I totally. I mean, there was word that he was gonna come back, and you know, you know how that goes. You leave WWE, you got a 90 day clause. And he shows up. I'm in my house, like going crazy. I was like, "Oh hell no! Wait a minute, no way!" He doesn't he have the 90 days and this and this and that. And I'm going crazy. Like I'm like, "Oh, and he not saw Art Anderson." Cody comes in. He black mask him. I was like, "Wow!" All like I said to him was, "Wow!" Like what happened? But as you guys know, you know, as time went on, WWE forgot to change the 30 days to 90 days, and that's yeah. why he showed up. I mean. And his whole aura is so different, you know. I like that he has that uh, the, uh, the contact with the white eye, you know, and that makes him look more freakish and more sinister, you know. So I, I loved it, man. I loved it, and that was a big pop. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen a pop like that in so long, but it was, that was an awesome that was an awesome moment, I can say. Yeah, well, it, the thing is, and we've been wrestling fans for a long, long time, and we remember when WWE used to mock WCW for bringing all the talent in on one day, even like through writing the scripts at the same time. And it just shows you at the moment, especially with like Samoa Joe, the Braun Strowman thing as well, the left hand is not telling the right hand what to do. And you bring someone like Alistair Black up, yeah, you're not going to use him, but you still, and that 60 days, you know, that two month period could add it on, has added so much more excitement. And uh, the other thing I liked about it, well, actually, no, we'll talk about it later, but it's just the darkness and the light of the two as well, I think was fantastic. And, of course, after the break, we get a recap from that. We get a footage of Ricky Starks commandeering the today. Uh, he said he has scooter room because he's not medically cleared yet and he can't trust Brian Cage not to put his hands on him. And then we've got Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander versus Pepper Blade Parks and the Bunny. Um, Bunny pulls Orange Cassidy out of the ring. Pepper with the brass knucks. And a punch lays Cassie out. He shows the nuts the cover, but Statlander made a tag. 
The women are legal. Chris from behind with a big bang for on the bunny for the win. I mean, this was a bit of a mess in places, but obviously Ashley gets his win and, and Statlander looking pretty good. Yeah, Statlander, I think Statlander, to be honest, I think she still looks green to me. She still does little things that I'm like, okay, she, why is she still green? Like, she's been there for almost two years. And like I said, I found a Statlander up in New York when she was in the New York independent scene. Um, but I love, I, I mean, I love this little feud. It's not nothing big or whatever, but it's fun. You know, I love watching Irish Cassidy, even though, you know, he, I know a lot of people don't like him because of his gimmick. But I love it. First of all, I love his theme music. Uh, I'm like, I, I go crazy every time I say, hear that song. <laughs> so, I mean, and I like the pairing, the Chris Salander, and I like that little feud that they had with the Bunny and, and, and Blade. I mean, Blade has, I mean... Lay has looked so good. I mean, he looks jacked up. He looks like he pulled a couple of pounds on him. Um, and, and, and but the thing is, I think he's better off as a tag team with Butcher. Um, but, you know, I think Butcher's hurt or he's doing something else. I don't know what he's up to. But, I mean, this match was pretty good. I, I guess they put this match to lower the crowd's energy a little bit, let them rest a little bit before they go to the main event or the, uh, the cold main event. So it wasn't that bad. That, that match was up. A little fun. The only thing is that Cassie gets knocked out again with Brasner. So, yeah. yeah. That's the story. Like I said, the stories continue with that. We get footage of Jungle Boy, Jack Perry get photographed, where trophy was given for being first to 50 win. And then Tony Schiavone interviews American top team. But Dan Lambert grabs the mic away from him, juices Jorge Masvidal and Amanda Nunes before saying he was skeptical of even coming here in the first place. Not because he's got better things to do, although he does, but more simple than that. AEW sucks. He then runs him down and says, if you want to watch wrestling, then he wants to see Gordon Sully call Eddie Graham and Johnny Ballantyne for championship wrestling from Florida in the 70s and 80s. Because the sad truth is wrestling has gone nowhere, but downhill since the late 90s, and this product is unwatchable. Um, <laughs> so then comes to the ring, knocks Lambert out, and hits blackout on him. Um, so is this a thing now? I mean, I watch UFC. This does nothing for me, but... To be fair, Amanda Nunes would have killed everyone in that arena. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? <laughs> I, I, <that's> <clears throat> I, I, I was speechless on that because I'm like, okay, what is the point of this? You know, like, why do you have America's top team coach Lambert in there and they're getting black matched by Lance Archer? Like, where are we going with it? You know, so I found that I guess it's just to kill time. I don't know. And then the guy bashing AEW. Uh, I guess they used him as a guy who probably, you know, like the typical WWE fan bashing AEW. I don't know, because he mentioned Johnny Valentine, uh, Eddie Graham. He's a guy from the 70s, 60s. And he talked about wrestling got bad after the 90s. You know, I, I don't know if, the, if he was taking a shot at WWE or I, I don't know. I, that, that, was, that had me confused because I'm like, why did Nunez didn't go in the ring to help him? Because she would have yeah, took out but... Lance Archer in a heartbeat. You know? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and the other guy, I forgot the other guy, he was with uh, oh, okay, Masvidal. Yeah. yeah, he could have went in there and helped him. He just let the guy get black black hole slam. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it, it, it was confusing. It was confusing. Well, I'm like, we had... I think we're just killing time. Well, we have seen him on um, 
who talk about um, Dan Lambert. He was the American top team with Bobby Lashley on Impact a couple of years back. So you can tell, you know, credit for a really good promo. But then we see uh, the main event, and it's Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zello, M versus Young Bucks for the AW World Tag Team Championship in a street fight. The Bucks dressed like just incredible on the way to the ring, uh, which is, I guess, what they want to do. Uh, Penta hit a destroy off the apron for a table. Nick Jackson wiped out the referee, Rich Knock, with a 450 splash. The Good Brothers hit the ring, looking to help the struggling champions. Brandon Cutler attempted to interfere on behalf of the Hills, but Elite Hunter, Frankie Kazarian, drove him through a table. Penta rocked Matt with a fear factor. And Kingston flattened the older Jackson for a dramatic false finish. Kingston produced tax, but Matt utilised him, throwing him in Eddie's face. Nick delivered Hover Corona, sent Pentel on the jagged weapons from there. The champs put thumb tacks in Kingston's mouth and blasted him with super kick for the win. I'm about to say, I mean, I know it's two completely different companies, but how similar is the end of that match to what we saw with Omega and Sammy Callahan as well? Hmm. You're right. Yeah, it's true. They was, it was very similar. Um... I don't know. I, I, to me, when 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 Eddie Kingston and Penta beat the the Young Bucks a week before, and they mentioned a no disqualification, it's like now I already know that people are going to interfere and the Young Bucks are going to hold the belt. The Young Bucks has held this belt for almost what eight months, you know. So they're going through these all these tag teams, and 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 you know Penta and Eddie Kingston are good challengers, but I mean, I mean it's. I mean, I, I don't understand how you pull thumbtacks and you don't spit it out and they get kicking them out. I, I don't, I don't get that. So, um, I don't know. It's in, this match to me was like, it's like I knew there was gonna be outside interference. It's like this was not a main event that I was like, oh, I'm very, very invested because I, I have a feeling that Penta and Eddie Kingston are gonna win. I, I had, I think, this match. Did not top the week before, even though that the one week before was a regular match. This match is like you know, uh, Brandon Cutler is going to get involved. You know, Nakazawa is going to get involved. You know, the Good Brothers are going to get involved, and, and, and you know, Kazarian being the elite hunter, which I laugh because they're using AEW using that from the uh, when they used to have the Bullet Club hunter in Japan. So now they have the elite hunter, and he gets magic killed outside. I'm like. I wasn't very invested in this match because I knew who was going to win, you know? And the way they ended well, it yeah. with a double, double, I think it was a double super kick into Eddie Keith's mouth while he had the thumbs in his mouth, I, I wasn't too happy with Well, the Bucks win again, thanks to Shannon. Again, even the crowd <coughs> didn't believe the Bucks would lose in a couple of moments waiting for spots. But it's still fun, though. Kaz, as Elite Hunter, is actually working. But it's like watching an NWA match just with workers in the ring. Because you know yeah. what's going to happen at the end of it. It's just all crazy. Uh, and also, another thing is that, you know, they have a got WWE for kind of repeating matches week in, week out. Why not let this on Fighter Fest in the kind of night one or two to give it a couple of weeks from after we just saw this match up? And yeah. then maybe, you know, build a little bit between it. But, yeah, oh, but, well. But no, don't, get, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the match because I like that crazy stuff and all that. But it's just like you already know what's going to be the ending, you know? So it's not something yeah. that, you know, or now, like me the last couple of weeks as far as with the, Young Bucks, it's like they're being everybody. So I'm saying to myself, with the exception, I mean, they did fall probably powerful a couple of months ago, but it's like, you know, I want to see some attacking that puts the Young Bucks in like running away, like, okay, we're going to get ourselves disqualified and do whatever, you know, and I don't see any tag team in there that's doing that. And the only thing I could think of, and it's just in my head, 
that the Gorillas of Destiny may show up at AEW and challenge them for the title. It could be that. Well, be, we'll see. it'd be interesting to see, yeah, what happens with the Bucks. We'll move on July 14th, Fighter fight, fight Fest Night 1. Show opens for the intro video. And we've got John Moxley versus Machine Gun Carl Anson for the IWGP United States Overweight Championship. Eddie Kingston comes down to neutralise Doc Gallows as we start. We see Anson's delivering a side suplex to the floor. <coughs> Moxley answered with an adulterated bites to the face. The suplex on the champion did little drive and determination. The challenger delivered a set out tombstone pile driver and added the gun stun. Moxley weathered the storm, delivered a paragraph shift and retained the championship. This is the first time we'd seen Mox since double or nothing. He got a hell of a pop. I thought this was a good way to start the show. Yes, it was, definitely. I mean, I mean, and, and they can tell you that um, AEW now is trying to work closely with New Japan because for them to ask Moxley to defend the AEW, not, not the AEW, I'm sorry, the IWGP belt, the US belt, on a, you know, to start the show, it, it tells you how much they value New Japan. Um, this was a pretty good match because Carl Anderson, even though he's mostly tag team, people forget this is the same guy that made it to the finals of 2012. I believe this was Okada. I could be wrong. But this guy could, get, could you know, could wrestle. I mean, uh, uh, Anderson is not a guy that should, nobody should take lightly, you know, but because everybody sees him as a tag team. But this was a pretty good match. At one point, when he hit him, he hit Mox with the stun gun. You know, once he hits that, nobody really gets up. But Moxley did the smart thing. Once he got hit with that, he rolled over to the corner. So therefore, Anderson wasn't able to. At one point, I don't know if you saw it, but at one point, Carl uh, uh, Anderson grabbed Moxley, and he lost his balance, and he dropped him on his head. And I was like, wow, he, he could have hurt him right there. Other than that, the whole match is pretty good. Yeah, it's a really fun match. Uh, Moxley with the most US total defences now. And we see Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer backstage. Jake is agitated, but Lance is calm. He calls John Moxley out. He notes his successful title defence is impeccable. Win records said he wants to rematch next week in Dallas. Another Texas death match, just <coughs> like the last one. And then back for commercial, we get footage of Andrade Odello being interviewed backstage earlier today. He says he's got a question where is Death Triangle? And then Brian Cage versus Ricky starts for the FTW uh, Championship. Late in the match, absolute attempt to use the FTW belt as a weapon, but Hobbs prevented him from doing so. Cage capitalised on the distracted Starks to deliver their five. Starks softly kicked out low, leading to a hook distracting the official, and Hobbs rocking Cage with a total belt. Starks delivered a spear for the win for Taz and Co. Embraced him. Uh, There's a couple of loud calls, but mostly good. Uh, what were your thoughts on Ricky Starks? With his uh, becoming the FTW champion, I mean, if if they're gonna make the belt mean something, then you know that, that's the way I looked at it. And if they really putting that belt on the line, because that belt hasn't been defended. When was the last time that belt has been defended in AEW? Because they don't really think highly of it. But now they put they put it on Stars, which makes it even it's gonna make it interesting because now Stars is gonna. It's going to be that cocky attitude heel who has the belt. But, you know, we know for a fact that this was, this was going to happen. Um, because Brian Cage, ever since he he um, shook Sting's hand after their feud with uh, Sting and Darby, you know that Team Taz was going to turn on. It was just a matter of how they were going to do it. I mean, at first when I saw that the, the Hobbs grabbed the belt, I said, well, I guess it's going to be a division between these teams. But, you know, 
several members are going to be with, with, with Team Taz, Alexander. But when Hobbs, you know, hit Cage in the head with it, I was like, okay, here we go. And then Ricky Starks is the perfect guy to, to probably take that belt. And, you know, and then the meaning, the definition of what it means, that belt, you know, the initials. He's definitely the guy to hold it. Maybe he'll make it proceed and maybe they'll make it, you know, some type of, you know, a sanctioned belt for AEW. But I still think they're missing the trick with Brian Cage, though, because I just look at that dude and think he they should be doing more, surely. But, 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 look, okay, I know that Brian Cage, you know, a lot of people who are a fan of Brian Cage may look at it, oh, but why Brian Cage lost the belt? This is perfect, because now once he's finished his feud with, with Team Taz, now he could probably be in the w, uh, in the world title picture, you know what I'm saying? I'm still waiting for Kenny Omega versus Brian Cage, Machine versus Machine. So, that's a that's a possibility, you know. So maybe down the line, maybe next year, in Revolution, in February, uh, February or March of next year, you could see Omega versus Brian Cage if Omega still has the belt. So, I mean, they they were supposed to push this guy to the moon when he came in, but yeah, you know, again, I I, I think AEW was doing long term long term um, storyline. I just didn't get the part the part where he beat Hangman Page. He should have became the number one contender automatically. But they put him against Hammond Page's number nothing again, and Hammond beat him. But they were already planning to get take him out of Team Taz. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, 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 I mean, I don't see him winning the SCW belt back. You know, I yeah. see him probably shooting the whole group. But him getting that belt back, I don't see it happening. Well, we see commentary former Mr. Arn Answers is going to be okay after taking a black mask last week. And then Cody Rhodes appeared on commentary and called out Malachi Black one week after that and made a stunning debut, of course, laying out Arn Anderson. Black spoke to Rosie at backstage promo and told the story of a horse being put down when he didn't have it anymore, suggesting Cody longer had the passion or drive. Infuriated, Rose dared Black to join him in the ring. The dark newcomer did, and the brawl ensued before security and agents broke things up. Uh, this was hot, and I don't think since Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels have the black versus white suits been so effective. Yeah, yeah, they did that real good. I, I noticed that. The minute Malachi Black showed up, I said, oh, shoot, black suit versus white suit. Bad guy versus good guy. You know, it was like spy versus spy, you know. Um, it, it's, it's great because it sets up, and the way they're doing it is they set up, you know, again, cliffhanger. Now you're wondering when these guys are going to wrestle, when they're going to face each other. Apparently, they, they, I think they're doing it for homecoming, which is another three weeks or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, I just hope. And, and, and I know, I know you, 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 uh, you compared Cody Rhodes to John Cena um, earlier. Um, you know, I think Cody Rhodes will probably um, job to Malachi Black. Yeah. To give he him has that. To. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, because people, people, many of Malachi Black um, showed up. Yeah, people were saying, oh, um, Cody better job to him or else, you know. And I'm like, you know, Cody knows what he's doing, you know, and I think it's probably, and it may be bloody and gruesome. It may be something where Malachi Black makes him bleed and, and takes him out for a couple of, you know, like his father used to do, just his old time, you know? Yeah. Out, uh, does a combat, you know? So, as long, as, long as Cody... Way, I don't want <laughs> to as long as... get to, bro, uh, to, to Brody Lee. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, hopefully that and not... Cody getting uh, Malachi Black on the stairs and looking to take out his eyeball because we've been there and done that before. It doesn't work out. Uh, and, 
You talk about it being on Homecoming on Dynamite. Are you a bit surprised this is not going to be announced? Because they've got the first fan page coming up. And you want to make that a big deal. You put this on there, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I mean, because Rampage is on August 13th. So I think they're doing, they're doing this, I think, in two weeks, I think. And I, I know, because I know it's uh, Rampage is on August 13th or 12th, one of them. And um, so I don't think they want to do it there. Because remember, Rampage is going to be Friday. Friday night, they got SmackDown. You don't want to put something like that on your first episode. Of, of Rampage because you know WWE will announce oh Roman Reigns versus God knows who and people are going to be focused on Roman Reigns because right now realistically Roman Reigns is the guy who's carrying WWE now. so if they say oh we're going to put Roman Reigns uh, is going to have a match against Finn Balor on the night that Rampage is going to debut nobody's going to watch Rampage everybody if they watch Rampage they'll see it through the DVR so you don't want to put a Malachi Black with Cody Rose on a Friday night. First of all, Friday nights are not good because people go out, people party, whatever. And, well, over here in the United States. But um, I know for a fact you cannot put that on a Friday night rampage. You know, you want to start rampage like you used to do, remember Thunder back in the day? Yeah. Where they, you know, you pull little matches here and there. They may not be great, but you build. That's it's, it's, This is the way to do it, you know? Well, we move on. We see Tony Schiavone hit the ring to interview Adam Page. Just said one's favourite anxious millennial cowboy is about to formally challenge Kenny Mike for the AWL Championship. The elite made their presence felt. Matt Jackson insulted Page drawing a physical retort. Dark Order came to Page's age for Omega Pro's the high-stakes match, a 10-man tag team match which are lost by the babyface to cost both the Dark Order and Page their championship opportunities. Page predicted accepted setting a major main event for later in the night. Uh, what we thought was this, the crowd ate it up, but again, we've got back-to-back like this. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's the way they do this stuff, to build up for um, their pay-per-views, and then the following couple of weeks, then they'll put the matchups. This 5 on 5, I thought it was going to happen the same night, but it didn't happen, so that left me like, okay, you, you're already announcing the 5 on 5. Is it tonight, or is it next week? When is it, you know? So that was the thing I was thinking about. I mean, you know, it, to me, like, this this thing with that they do, they put all these promos one back of the other. I don't see nothing wrong with it, um, to me, because it's like you're telling a story. You know what I'm saying? And and you, once they they do the promo, whatever, you don't know what's going to happen right after that. Maybe something crazy, somebody may show up, whatever. But, you know, um, I understand what you're saying. They, they're doing too many promos back to back. Um and they do have shows sometimes where you got a bunch of promos and uh, like two or three matches or four matches a night. So, I mean, but the thing that, that, that for me was I thought the 505 was going to happen that night and it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't really explain that. But we get back from commercial, Chris Jericho's interviewed about Labors of MJF, wants to put him through for getting another match. Jericho said, you want to talk about grief mythology? He's the god of thunder and war, but then Sean Spears spikes him with a chair and chokes the match rolls up and says his first labour is against Spears next week. The stipulation is Sean can use a chair and he can't. They spike the injured bias that we're a chair shot and leave. And then did we you, get on. Uh, before you continue, sorry. did you see did you see where uh Sean Spears hit Jericho with the chair? Or you don't remember? Uh go on, in four, go on. Uh, fill uh, me in. It, 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 when the minute that Spear came in, he hit Jericho right in the throat with the edge of the chair. I was like, you do like you can't hit him in the chest, you can't hit him in the stomach, hit him right in his throat. I'm like, what the heck? 
Yeah, that was a vicious shot. I was like, yeah, these people are out of control. I'm like, shit, bro, dude, you didn't, you didn't get the fucking memo when you cracked fucking Cody in the head with the fucking chair and you hit fucking Derek on the throat? You know, dead uh, in the throat. I was like, oh my god, that. Well, we move on to 23 years in the making in another company. Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. Uh, Cage fought his way back into the match. He escaped a second twist of fate and delivered a nasty spear for two. Hardy capitalized the referee's distraction, delivered a low blow to count the kill switch. He applied the leech at ringside, but Cage beat the referee's count and finally delivered the kill switch for the win. After the match, the Hardy family office found the ring until Jungle Boy Luchasaurus made the save. Um, what was most interesting about all this, though, was the look on Jungle Boy's face when his tag team partner hoisted Cage up on his shoulders. The gesture typically reserved for a young Jack Perry. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match and the slight um, problem with Christian? The match was good. The match was pretty good. Um, I, I can't complain. 23 years in the making. These guys took it, you know, back to the old days when they were tag team partners with, you know, Jeff and Matt, Edge with Christian. Um, it was pretty good. It was decent. Um, you know, um, as far as the, the uh, Jungle Boy looking at Lucy Soul is like, dude, what are you doing picking him up? I caught that. And I'm like, please tell me that you're not going to break up Jurassic Express over this shit. You know? Because I, I, I like the teammates. Um, unless, uh, unless Lucy Soul turns heel. I can't, I can't see uh, Jungle Boy turning heel for the simple fact a guy's been pushed, he took Omega to the limit, um, and he's like the future of the company. Um, I can't see Luchasaurus probably turning on uh, uh, Jungle Boy and Jurassic Express at that. Because I don't see, listen, it's been almost two years, Jurassic Express hasn't won the AEW, the AEW tag team belt, they're not going to win it, so you might as well break them up. I think I'd be fair to say. We get a video promo from Miro Ed, which he labeled himself the Redeemer. Uh, from there, Tony Schiavone introduced AEW Women's Champion Dr. Britt Baker DMD for a brief promo. Uh, two stars, basically. And then we see John Moxley cut a promo backstage where he said he's not hunted. He's a hunter. And if Archer wants a Texas F match next week, he won't be Texas brawn and bred. He'll be Texas dead. And then Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Utah. And Wheeler Utah made his in-ring debut with AEW accompanied by best friends Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. The Spanish got wild early to deliver a shoot star press. Sammy delivered a spring ball cutter. Executed the GCH and earned a victory. After match, Guevara showed his opponent considerable respect. What do you think of this fun match? This was a great match because Willa Yuta, I followed him for Ring of Honor. I seen him in New Japan for wrestling. Um, I think Jonathan Gresham was the one who trained him. Now, the funny part is that I said to myself, everybody that comes that looks like a you know, regular guy, it looks like a best friend is picking them up and putting them in a faction. Uh, but the Yuta and Sammy Guevara match was, was awesome. I mean, Sammy Guevara looked so great and whatnot, um, and this was a fun match. Um, as far as Sammy Guevara right now, I think he's the future of the company. I don't know where they're going to put him at as far as at Mick Carr or World Side of Elvis. This match is pretty good. It shows what Sammy Guevara and Yuta uh, brings to the table when it comes to wrestling, and it was a good match. Yeah, I think that, that like I said, Sammy is on a roll. And then we get back to the second where QT Marshall dumps a drink over Tony's head. Then Magical Girl Yuki Sakazaki returned to uh, AEW battling Penelope Ford. We ended the match with a 16-1 record in the last 17 matches. Uh, Sakazaki fought back and appeared to be rolling late when Ford rocked with a pump kick for two. Yuki recovered, delivered the Magical Girl splash. Full victory. Another quick match, but just showing 
what the talent can do there, I suppose. The, 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 um, I thought Yuko was going to fall backwards when she hit that magic strike. She lost her balance there. The only thing I don't understand is why they keep making Penelope Ford lose, but then I see her ring work. She's still green. It's like this woman, you've been there, you've been wrestling for a while. It's like you, you don't make your, 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 when they hit you or, or, or when you're doing your work, believable. You know, you can tell that she's like coordinating and this and this and that. And she looks like she lost weight too. She looks much skinnier. I, I, I don't know. But uh, Yuka, you know, she impresses me all the time. And um, I, I, I would like to see her, um, you know, wrestle more, you know. So especially now, I think they should, honestly, to be honest, I think they should put at least two women's matches a night. Uh, event because one match is not gonna you know it's not gonna push the women's division. So I, no, I, 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 they got they have so many talent and they gotta put everybody on. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree with it. We see a hype reel for AW Rampage, then there's the break, and then the main event, first ever coffin match, which is nothing like a casket match. It's Darby Allen versus All Ego Ethan Page. We see Page benefit early from interference from Scorpio Sky. We attacked Allen from out of the coffin for Sting, made a save, beating him around the arena. Allen launched himself at Page from the stands, and he'd be caught and driven into the metal guardrails. We see a bloodied All Ego survive the near defeat and deliver an Eagle's Edge from the top rope and onto the aforementioned ring steps. Allen evaded defeat by raking at the face and eyes of Page, grabbing a skateboard and double stomps off the top rope, driving into Page's back and the hill into the coffin. The former TNT champ slammed the lib and scored a victory, but then Darby drove his own body through the lid of the coffin as he finished it to put an exclamation point on things. I mean, if you were to sum up Darby Allen, it would probably be that coffin drop after he's won the match because the there's guy, no need for it, really. <laughs> the guy is a fucking sicko, man. He fucking X-game. He X-game Ethan Page into the fucking coffin. That's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 he's fun to watch. I mean, I think again, um, and and I've been saying this since the beginning of the year. I think Darby Allen has been the MVP of AEW, uh, and he just reckless. He doesn't care. I mean, to me, it's like, why do you do? Why do you coffin drop the coffin after you already won? You know, and the bump he took with with uh, you know when Ethan threw him from the second bump of Ethan Edge. On the on the on the metal, I'm like, dude, like, you're not gonna make it in another five years. Like, he said that that was a hard bump. I'm like, but I respect him because you know what? He wrestles. He wrestles with passion. He wrestles because he wants to give the fans what they want. And, and you know, to me, um, that match was awesome. But is that feud over? I, I don't think so. I think um, Ethan Page is gonna find somewhere or the other to get back at Darby and they'll have another crazy match because they, they gel together very good you know yeah without a doubt and Paige stepped up as well I think you know we were oh, yeah. on the about yeah. Ethan Page and um, I think Darby has a new gimmick match with this as well I think overall it was a great main event and a really great episode of um, AEW as well you know they hit, they hit that one million mark you know yes so. well we're about to say that ratings wise 1.25 million viewers mm-hmm. for, so. for this a lot the last time they got it was the Blood and Guts episode. So yeah. it means that every time we do a pod together to review AEW, they get great ratings. Yeah, that, no, that don't sound good because people are going to be like, oh, they don't want to do the other wrestling because it's low ratings. It's not true, fans. We, we do we do podcasts when we feel like this is the right pod, uh, episode to do it. But, yeah, um, you know, we're the one million guys, one million dollar guys. We are. Well, the last episode of 
Uh, today's Fest night two, July 21st. Of course, he's showing up his with the standard intro video. We got Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears in the uh, Five Labors of Jericho match. Of course, MGF on commentary. Spears controlled until Jericho sought the walls of Jericho. In defense of Tully Blanchard, ended with Sammy Guevara making a save and chasing the Hall of Famer off. Spears delivered one C4, then tried for another, only for Jericho to escape and to deliver the Judas effect for the win. I didn't actually mind this. You know, I thought um, it's probably the best uh, Sean Spears has looked since being in AEW. But Sean Spears, you know what? The funny part is that Sean Spears has been looking good ever since he joined the uh, the Pinnacle. He loses matches, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're doing a story. So a lot of people may say, oh, he's always losing. He goes, but he gives good matches, you know. Um, you knew that he was going to lose to Jericho because there's a long-term storyline with this whole the, the labels of Jericho. He, Jericho's not going to lose the first match, and he's going to lose to Spears either. I mean, not taking away anything from Spears, but this is a storyline, you know? But it, it, I like the way they, they started the show. They, you know, you, you do not expect uh, Chris Jericho to open up a, a damn AEW show. You know that. You've never seen that. Ever since AEW's been around, you've never seen uh, Chris Jericho opening up an AEW show. So this was good because, first of all, you're getting the fans riled up already, you know? And what happened afterwards, take it away, buddy. Well, post-match, MJF comes to the stage, he gets on the mic, warning Jericho, that if anybody else interferes in the other Labors, he'll be disqualified. And that'll be it. Next week, Labour is no disqualification match against the most sadistic criminal being to ever step in the ring. A man who wants stamped his opponent and juggler, who wants rob a bank with no mask on, Nick Gage, the MDK gang affiliated, oh, yeah. has made his AWW. What are your thoughts? Uh, listen, we're talking about Game Changer Wrestling World Champion. That let me tell you something. I was in my I was in, the, in my house like I'm like no freaking way. And it's funny that Nick Cage shows up right because uh, after I think during anniversary, Don Callis said that Kenny Omega is the king of hardcore, not Nick Cage. Nick Cage, you know, pretty much answered to that. You know, so in other words, calling out Omega. So when I saw Nick Cage there, I said, you know what? Let me find out that Nick Gage is probably going to have some type of little deal, not a contract, some type of deal, and may challenge Omega after he fights Jericho, you know? And this is going to, let me put it this way, Omega, not Omega, Jericho don't know what he's getting into, but this guy, he is sadistic. Blood will be running next week. So I'm very looking forward to that. And, and, and again, the, uh, the forbidden door. Now somebody from Game Changer Wrestling is showing up at AEW. Who would have thought of that? Well, anybody that's not maybe heard of Nick Gage before, he's gained a reputation as kind of death match legend on oh, the independent yeah. scene. He's the only man to win the CZW's Tournament of Death, the IWA King of Death Match, and GCW's Tournament of Survival. And of course, Bed Headlines this year is feud with John Moxley. Recently began a storyline with Matt Cardona, and we find out that he will be taking on Jericho next week as well. But our next match is Doc Gallows versus Frankie Kazarian. Big man dominate the action through the commercial break, but Kazarian mounted the comeback. Late stretch by Anson allowed Gallows to recover and deliver a set-up choke bomb for the pinfall victory. After match, Don Callis and Kenny Mega made their way to the ring. They cut promos, making fun of the fallen elite hunter. For Page made his way to the square circle, greeted by a huge pop from the Texas fans. Uh, Page handed Callis his beer and teed off the good brothers of the Mega when the numbers did advance to out of him. The Dark Order made the save. Hangman leveled Anson with a buckshot lariat and stood tall. Um... For me, this was flat as anything till Page, and that is over for Kaz then as a serious threat. 
Yeah, you're right. Because they, they, that's what it led me to believe. Like, okay, so you had Luke Gallows instead of Carl Anderson, wrestle Cash, right? Now, you know there's a size difference. You know Gallows has weight over him, height over him. So you put in the elite hunter, the game in the ring against Luke Gallows. He loses. He looks, he looks weak in there. Um, Hammer Page comes with his beer, which, I mean, that's what makes sense. Um, and told Don Collins, hold my beer while beat up these guys. You know, it, it was kind of a little flat because he came out, he came out by himself to, to, to fight, what, what, three-fifths of the elite and whatnot. And then the Dark Order comes out. I don't know. This, this one was not as better as the one, the night one, you know? And, you know, I don't know. I mean, for me, it, it's, it, I think they just killed uh, Cash as the elite hunter on that. Because now, when he wrestles again, you're not going to make me, I'm not going to be invested because right now he just got pinned. And not that he's a bad wrestler because Kazemi's been around forever, but you put that dot battles against him. You could have Carl Anderson um, um, get in and wrestle him instead of Gallows, and then you could have a disqualification, and you could have had like a cheap pin, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird, but we see Brian Cage interview backstage afterwards. He asks if Team Taz is still here, and he loves the celebration. Like, say, the celebration Ricky Starks is going to have as a new FTW champion next week. And then we get Darby Allen versus Wheeler Utah. Uh, the back-and-forth match came to a standstill late as Orange Cassidy and Sting, a company of respected associates, teed off each other with freshly squeezed trademark offense. As the focus turns to the match at hand, Allen recovered to the conflict drop for Utah for the win. Uh, this should have been on dark. You know, it was fine. But, yeah. I mean, the part was Sting versus Orange Cassidy. Just have those two get in the yeah, ring yeah, and have yeah, a five-minute match. Yeah, that's true. That is true, yeah. Because, you know, it's like, don't get me wrong, not taking away anything from the match. Willie Yuta and Darby Allen they exchanged a lot of chain wrestling style, whatever. But the main thing was Orange Cassidy and Sting. You know, it made it funny, made it entertaining. But, yeah, you're right. They should have put that at AEW Evolution or something because that – I mean, Willie Yuta lost to Sammy Guevara the week before. So now mm. you put him against Darby Allen. You know, I mean, not not taking away anything from Willie Yuta because he's a good wrestler. To me, Willie Yuta is a good wrestler because, like I said, I've been following. But yeah, I think it was mostly uh, I think to calm down the crowd a little bit because they started out hot. So sometimes you will put some stuff like that to just calm down the crowd and then get them right hyped up because you don't you don't want to burn them up. No, no, that doubt. And the crowd got entertained by that. You know, the, the staying in Orange Cassidy. Oh, that doubt. Post-match for Blade appears in the Tax Orange Cassidy. We get a video package for tonight's main event, Texas Death Match between Archer and Moxley. And then we get a recap album, Dr. Britt Baker, leading to the Women's Championship match, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Nyla Rose. Both champion challengers tried to use the page out of the late Eddie Guerrero's playbook by feigning cheating for Rose to live a devastating beast bomb. Baker managed to kick out, escapes another, and applied to Lockjaw for the successful title defences. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Because for me, AEW's obviously, uh, Baker's obviously one of AEW's biggest stars, but she needs challenges now, you know? Yeah, yeah Baker, this Britt Baker and Nyla Rose match, I mean, lived up to the hype. It was a pretty good match, but, I mean, you know, you got Nyla Rose trying to overpower, um, you know, uh, Britt Baker, Britt Baker trying to use more uh, wrestling style moves, and you know, and, and, and she had a hard time putting that lot on it uh, on, on Nyla Rose. And I, and during that match, in case people don't know, 
reports came today that Nyla Rose, uh, actually not Nyla Rose, Britt Baker uh, fractured her wrist. But she's going to be out. But she's not going to be out of television, but she ain't going to be able to wrestle for a while. But she, she broke her wrist in that match. And, you know, and it's funny because we saw the match, you know, it looked like she broke anything. But this match, but I guess because Nyla Rose is a heavy girl and she had way over, um, um, over Britt. And, you know, it, it, you could tell that Britt Baker had a hard time putting that lock draw on, uh, on Nyla Rose. But it was one of, the, one of her best matches, you know. Um, it's up there in the top three, maybe, up there that she has had. But Britt Baker right now, she looks so good with that belt on her way. Um, now the question is, who's going to be her next challenger? And who knows when she's going to be able to wrestle again? Yeah, that, that's the thing, and to have the challenges ready, and if the story, like Fonda Rose is now signed, then hopefully they can have oh, a yeah, match right. down yep. down the road, you know. Um, but anyway, Tony Schiavone moderates the panel between FTR and Proud and Powerful. FTR said they respect the panel with teasers wrestlers, but not as men. PMP say they have been here since day one. FTR just pit stop on the way to tag team gold. Satana whips out a photo of his mother at 15 years old to her first apartment. Newspaper article about her mum taking slumlords to court. Dax says only cares about God, his family, and pro wrestling. The only thing left is to show up and beat their ass. I mean, what was the point in this? Because it was over so quickly, and how heavily edited was it as well? Oh, yeah, they edited it. Oh, you, you, I thought I was only the only one who thought of that. Because Santana just got deep into that whole thing, what his mom went through and all that. Because he, 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 he's from my my um, my county. Uh, he's from the Bronx. He talked about the Bronx. That's why I lived all my life also. But I'm like, why are you bringing that up about what your, your upbringing and all that? And then they edited it. They cut it off right there when he was in the middle of talking, and then they had FTR talking. I'm like, okay, first of all, if you're going to promote this match, you ne- you didn't need it to do all this. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, make a history of how it happened and all that, and then that's it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Probably they, I guess, then Shivani be busy, I guess, doing the interviews. <laughs> yeah, well, Shivani was then back again interviewing Andrade El Adalo, who wasted no time interested in his new executive consultant, Chavo Guerrero. For all the parent could say anything of note, Death Triangles, Pac, Ray Phoenix and Pentagazello interrupted. Pac made it abundantly clear that the trio runs from no one. Andrade and Guerrero essentially to listen to El Adalo if they want to wear the gold. The two sides talk trash in Spanish before Jeff Triangle ran El Adalo off. Um, don't get me wrong, right? I, I love these guys involved, but wasn't Eddie Kingston doing the exact same thing about six months or eight months ago, trying to bake up the Death Triangle? And uh, also, Char and uh, Charvo uh, has a mouthpiece. I'm about to say, Charvo's a mouthpiece as well. I mean, he was never the best talker in the world, was he? <laughs> so, yeah, but it's better. But 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 the thing is, with now that you got Charvo Guerrero with Andrade, it it kind of makes more sense. And I'm gonna tell you what, Vicky Guerrero is not. She can't be the the speaker or the or the whatever the, the whatever he is to yeah. Andrade because you know Andrade talk about his history with the Guerrero family and all that. So what better person is it to be with Andrade than Charles Guerrero Jr. Right now, here's the story. And I understand what you're saying that Eddie Kingston did the same thing, trying to break up the Lucha Bros, but. That's the same thing I'm seeing here where Andrade is trying to break up the Lucha Bros and Pac. But I see he's going to succeed. And the reason I say that is because of the heritage and the, you know, ethnicity, the Mexicans. 
they're going to turn, I think they're going to turn on, two things could happen. They're going to turn on Pac, or Andrade's going to get two other wrestlers that probably we're not expected to come in, join him, and remember, AEW is planning to do a six-man tag, tag belt, the trios, and that's, that's, in the, that's in the works. So, you know, that could happen where now they'll do a tournament and the last two teams standing in the trios is their triangle and whoever Andrade has. Because, I mean, now, are we going to see Chavo Guerrero Jr. wrestling? Eh, I mean, I, I think uh, he no. still could go, but I think they're going to bring two other people in there that we're not expecting. Remember, AEW works with Triple A, okay? So... Um, it's not going to be Laredo Kid because most of the time you see Triple A is either Laredo Kid come in or somebody else. But it's going to be somebody that we do not expect. So that's what I'm but looking the, at. Okay. The thing is, though, no, I was about to say, but just let Andrade, just let the fucker wrestle. Do you know what I mean? That's what he's best at with in the ring. Like, let's get Andrade, let's get him in there now. Let's get him against Pac or Ray Phoenix or Pence. Let's just start delivering kind of the good matches that yeah, I think yeah, we all but deserve. You know what you know? it is? You know what it is? Again, AEW is doing long-term storylines. They figure, well, you know what? Let's make a story. Because he called out a death triangle. That's why it surprised me. Like, why are you calling the death triangle? You're not going to see him wrestle Omega. Because, number one, that Omega and Andrade's match is already set up for Triple Mania and next month. So you're not going to see that in AEW. So, you know, they figure, like, well, you know what? Let's put him in a in a tag team or in a story where he's trying to break up the Lucha Bros. Who knows? Lucha Bros may join him. You know what I'm saying? And and, and Park is the outsider. You know what I'm saying? Anything can happen. Well, if, yeah. I'm about to say, if we can get Pac as a face in AEW, then I'll actually be quite happy about that. Yeah, but I, as but well. If he becomes, but if he becomes, a, if he becomes a, a face, I want to still be that nasty bastard that he is. Yes, not yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Not when he was in WWE. Yeah, don't come out in a cape. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't come up with a cake and a yeah. fucking with a purple dot on the back. Yeah. Anyway, we uh, see Fritz of Hardy Family Office putting boots to Jurassic Express till Christian Cage makes a save. Christian cuts a promo saying it took four of HFO to take out little Marco Stunt and he thought beat Matt Hardy would be the end of it, but it wasn't. So he suggests him and the two healthy Jurassic Park boys take on Private Party Angelico next week. QT Marshall in a factory interview. QT says an apology to Tony is in order and he'll get that next week. And then Orange Cassie versus Purple and Blade Parks. Cassie swallowed a corkscrew tombstone and delivered breach break. Blade attempts to use the same brass knuckles from earlier in the show, but Cassidy caught him with the orange punch for the half-fault comfort behind win. He added a knuckles, this is orange punch for good measure. What were your thoughts? My thoughts on that was why have the match? And I'm going to tell you why. Because he got knocked out with the brass knuckles, right? So he gets knocked out with the brass knuckles, but then he shows up to wrestle like an hour and a half later. I mean, to me, I, I'm like... If, 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 if this is the thing where now Orange Cassidy ended up using the brass knuckles at the end, after the end of the match, then that's it. This, I don't want to see this match no more. You know? So, because um, when I saw that, when I saw he get knocked out in the, uh, I think the Euro match, I think it was, yeah, with Darby, I said to myself, you know what? If, if he is wrestling the blade tonight, make it look like the blade won by D4 or somebody comes out and defends. Uh, uh, orange, but orange came out, so I, it didn't make no sense to me having that match. And then, you know, and then you're gonna, if that was the end of it, let it be the end. 
But this is okay, but we've just seen loads of outside interference tonight in matches, you know, especially in like two, if you look at it, like every match Sada had outside interference, but backstage Chris Jericho revealed to Alex Marvez that bringing Nick Gage, he's reintroducing his pain maker persona. Actually ain't gonna do shit. Nick Cage's gonna kill his ass. <laughs> yeah, unless Amanda Nunes shows up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the, only, the only thing I could I could say right now, if he is coming out with a pain maker gimmick, there's gonna be blood spilling. And I hope that I hope that's the main event next week. I Backed hope out. that's the main event. They've know? hyped up next week's cards. There's a big announcement from Tony Khan as to a new look to get video package for Cody Rose versus Malachi Black, set to take place on August fourth. Uh, before going to break. And then our main event, the very last match we're going to cover is John Moxley versus Lance Archer for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship in the Texas Death Match. They threw everything they could at each other in an attempt to earn a victory, including a low blow from Mox. Archer responded with a choke slam on the edges of two chairs that drew chance of holy shit in AEW. Now, we've seen the chair spot, but when you turn them the other way around, you know there are well, Moxley to take that. Mm, 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 that oh, my He's not the first wrestler I've seen him take chair shots like, oh, actually take a bump like that. I, I've seen other wrestlers done that. I mean, when I saw Lance Archer turn those chairs around, oh, he did. He turned them around. He got caught with that. I'm like, oh. But the worst part was the fork. He did, he went Abdullah the Butcher on Lance Archer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he kept stabbing him with that fork. And, he, and it wasn't just one stab and just put it. He kept, I'm talking about digging in there. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, I was like, the paradise ship outside, that's what's supposed to be busted, um, Lance Archer open. But I was like, when he started using that fork, I said, oh, shit, I'm watching that dude on the butcher. But that, that, that I did it top, let me see, did it top their match in Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, no, no. Uh, I saw Wrestle Kingdom match in last year, um, uh, when they fought. I think, um, uh, the one who called, I mean, even though Lance Archer lost, Lance Archer's back was destroyed when um uh Moxley threw him to the to the table. Because the table's in Japan. The way they use it, they they they're more like they 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 would the little ones. Yeah, yeah, the little ones <laughs> yeah. and they, they look like they they stronger than the ones we got here. And uh, I mean, but it was a good match. I mean I was surprised I did was surprised that Lance Archer won that match. Well, let's get to it, because Mox retrieved a ball of barbed wire and placed it on the two tables. Archer counted a power ground shift and delivered a choke slam onto the board, through the tables, and earned a victory and title via referee's 10 count. And then New Japan Pro Wrestling's Bullet Club's Ikelu confronted Archer ahead of the match next week. Now, yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. The 564-day reign is over, but he didn't get pinned. He didn't get submitted. Is this the best way Moxley could have dropped the title? Um, well, obviously... you know what? Yeah, to, to Lance Archer, yes, because that's the same way well, I think in their match in Japan was a Texas death match on uh, four counts anywhere. Uh, uh, lights out match it was. And so he pinned them uh, through the table. But again, it's been, what, almost a year? So when the way Moxley lost, it protects him and, and pretty much, you know, protects Lance Archer also as a badass who threw a guy through the table and, and, and Moxley didn't get up. So both of them were protected. Now, him wrestling Hikaleo next week. I mean, Hikaleo is, uh, I mean, still young. He has a lot to learn. He's been in a lot of big matches. Uh, but I think, I think Lance Archer is gonna beat him next week unless something happens. But it, 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 you know, yeah. Lance Archer, United States champion, IWGP, because he did say he wanted to go back to Japan. 
So this is well, a good way to do it. This is what I can say. Archer's first success in AEW since leaving New Japan is to win an IWGP title. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what's crazy? He's been there for almost a year and a half, and this is his first title he wins. It's not even AEW. You know? It's crazy. But because it, it's like they, it's like the same thing they do with Brian Cage. With Brian Cage, they push him. It looks like he's going to get a title shot, and then they just yeah. go right back down. Same thing with Lance Archer. He, he got a couple of title shots, and they go right back down. And so now he got a belt. So now, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I think that's the way that AEW is going to be working with uh, New Japan. Because now the belt stays with one of the guys. And now somebody from New Japan will show up. Like, Hikoleo just showed up. Mm-hmm. So next week, listen, next week we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Because I think they got a, the car is packed already, I think. Well, that's right. This is the interesting thing in AEW, and Tony Khan said, oh, we're going to load the cards. And there's no issue with that, because the last three episodes of AEW have been excellent, and hopefully they can continue to cement them up until uh, our AEW pay-per-all out as well. They got another one million this week. They got a 1.14 this week. So, uh, Fighter Fest Night 2. So that's two weeks in a row they will, they put a million, million mark. So, I think it's going to be seen a million every week, unless... Mm. They, they 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 put a shitty show on one week and then they try to get that back one minute because you know for a fact if you put a shitty show people you know how fans fans are very sensitive now they see a shitty show oh I'm not watching it the next you know but you know I, I think right okay so I was about to say as well because you'll probably you'll know this as well as anybody as well we talked about Thunder earlier and and the problem when another company adds another program it's like with Rampage yes it's only an hour. But it's like what the rating is going to be in that, what the stories is that going to take away from what Dynamite is doing at this moment in time? It's 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 a big time for AEW at this moment, isn't it? You know. So it's, so it's only one hour they're going to have. I thought it was two. Uh, I think it's so one hour they're going to start with and then extend it. I think they're going to. Okay, start. so that, I mean, I think I don't see any problem with that, unless you're going to. Um, the question is, is the rampage? Are you using it for the younger talent, or are you using it for your main talent to pull a major storyline? But if you are, then, you know, um, that means SmackDown will have uh, a one-hour competition with Rampage. But, I mean, we'll see. I mean, to me, like I said, I don't think, and me and you were just talking about Malachi Black against Cody Rhodes on a, uh, how do you call it, on a Rampage episode. It, it, it's not because, you know, you know WWE is going to go and, and stack up the card. And, you know, because right now AEW is, Playing Rampage, and they now they're the one challenging WWE. It's not WWE challenging them, you know, because that's the way it happened when AEW first started. They're like, oh, let's put NXT on the USA Network over here in the United States and have them go at each other on Wednesday. And at the end, you saw NXT, you know, they pulled it out because they were not winning. You know, they won a couple of weeks or whatever, but the main time was, you know, AEW winning. So, I mean. I see that Rampage as a Thunder, like they were back in the day with WCW. And who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, before we go, uh, we always do a finally on the podcast. And, and it would be a miss not to address it soon as we talk about AEW. But what about these rumours that are swirling around about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk coming to AEW? Is this a godsend for them? Or is this, again, you know, what is this? Is it... People, WWE fans say, no, it's just them signing the old WWE wrestlers. Is it uh, AEW signing two megastars? Is it 
you know, or is it relationship helping each out? I mean, how do you see it if Punk or Brian, both or either, were to sign with AEW? Well, how much time you got? <laughs> well, well, we'll do it quickly. <laughs> no, 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 I, no I, I'll tell you my whole thing because I, I just did a video on my podcast about that, about the signing of, of Daniel Bryan and uh, CM Punk. Ringside News is saying, according to what I read this morning, Ringside News said that, that CM Punk already signed. Now, this is only coming from Ringside News, and it's not coming from Fight Food Select, it's not coming out of Russell Talk. They're saying that CM Punk is signed already. I mean, I don't believe it. I have, I haven't, I haven't gone on my podcast and say, you know, that it's happened. Daniel Bryan, I know for, uh, for what I'm hearing also, that he did sign. He has creative ideas. Uh, he could wrestle in New Japan. I think if look, if if this is all this is true, I think WWE will have to look at the concept. Because they're going to lose fans. A lot of people, if you, you think about it, AEW already has a stacked roster. We're talking about a lot of these guys were former world champions. Brian Cage was a former Impact champion. Kenny Omega is the AEW champion. Plus, he was a former IWGP champion. Mockley, you got Andrade. You got Malachi Black now. Cody Rhodes. You got a stack. You got um, Christian uh, Cage. You have a stack of of superstars, of wrestlers in the Indies, whatever, but they could wrestle. You add a guy like Daniel Bryan, who's the whole famous. This guy won every title you could imagine. Japan, WWE, Ring of Honor, PWG. He has a, a resume incredible. Now you add CM Punk, former WWE champion. I mean, how is WWE going to be able to compete with them? Because they're going to, if they put in 1.14, and almost 1.098 the last two weeks. Imagine if you got guys like this coming into to the AEW show every week. And and and, and reports are saying from this time that CM Punk signed and he's gonna be in TV every week. Come Look, on. If I tell you what, if if, if cult personality hits and Punk comes into the arena, then that is just such a fuck fuck you to WWE. And it uh, just makes me laugh that Triple H is going to be like, you know, Vince going, what can we do? And Triple H's like, I guess it's time for me to make a comeback. Uh, like, let me yeah, main event know, WrestleMania. Triple H made a, 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 I call it a comment on some podcast where he said, we're looking at our low rating and we're trying to make changes. You've been saying that since 2018. Your rating's been on the floor for the Bill Logan, you know? And then the fact is, Think about it. If CM Punk is signed, right? You know he's not. He may debut on the uh, Go Home Show of All Out, which will be in the ending of August. So think about it. And then All Out is in Chicago, his home state, his home city. Come on. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the next two months, you know, say in the next two months, James, I'm telling you right now, hold on to your seat because there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff going on in professional wrestling. They, your, your, your jaw is going to drop. We're going to be fighting doing at least two podcasts a month. Because yeah, uh, uh, it's yeah. crazy. It's, it's crazy because right now, like, um, right now, I'm me, myself, I dropped around, no lie, like four podcasts this week um, because there's so much news going on. The, the, the Jay White showing up at Impact, it's my anniversary. Then the, uh, you know, I made a, a, I talked about that on Sunday. I talked about that on Monday on my YouTube channel last night. I did another YouTube channel talking about the Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, 
signings and all that. So, you know, we're going to be busy guys, man. I'm telling you right now. Well, without a doubt, we are going to be really, really busy. And it's, again, it's a pleasure to have you on to, to talk through it with. Yeah. Uh, and if people want to catch you, you just talked about your episodes dropping. Uh, where could they find you uh, if they're interested in getting anything? And uh, uh, You know, all your information, basically. Yeah, uh, you, know, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, The Chokesland Wrestling Report. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, um, what else? Amazon Music, um, that's the audio. You can find my YouTube channel called The Chokesland Wrestling, uh, Wrestling Report. You can subscribe there, hit that notification bell, and, you know, get updated all uploads that I go up. So, you know, and I also got a, um, I mean, I forgot to mention the last time I was in your show. I do have a uh, 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 website with Chokesland Wrestling Report Apparel. That's tcwrveryinkpressive.com. That's tcwr.veryinkpressive.com. You'll find shirts, hats. Uh, you can also find uh, the uh, YouTube channel there, and you can find the uh, the audio podcast in there. So you can register to it, and you get all access to everything. So there we go. That's where you can find the ultimate or choke sound report, as it was. And don't forget, we're across all social media: Twitter at the WNR Podcast, I'm at the WNR JR. Also on Facebook, Instagram, across all the good platforms. Send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. And YouTube, where you podcast at the same time as you do on SoundCloud, on your phone, and also Spotify, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode together will be then Impact Homecoming. Just let yes. me know what works for you, and we will definitely do that. Uh, yeah. And, of course, the next episode in the WNR will be NXT UK with Monty. But until then, I have been James Rowlands, and it took two months. But we have now finally had the proper catch up that we both deserved. You yeah, know? He, he's not going to do it again. He already said it. No more two month break. No more. T- I, I, I will be told off. Too many emails come through. But again, uh, it is a pleasure having you on here, mate. And again, Anytime, it's, it's man, always. It is. It's, it's such fun. Uh, we can connect from, like I say, from England to New York to the rest yeah. of the world listening to this very podcast yeah, yeah, um, yeah i feel like i feel like i'm part of this already so it's like yeah i got my podcast you got your podcast but i'm part of the wnr podcast and it's a pleasure all the time you know talking to you and, and sharing you know well like i said it's always a pleasure having you on and you're always going to be uh an important member of the wnr podcast team but that is it like i said i've been james Rollins. i was joined by the ultimate one thanks for this everybody and bye <laughs>